Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Money Multiplier Podcast. Thanks for joining me here today. Do your dollars make sense? Today I have a fun little episode. This topic really came about because a lot of folks were sending me text messages and emails and asking me these real life practical questions and I thought it'd be really good to accumulate a bunch of those questions and make a podcast episode on it because I really think this will help my matured folks so people that have been practicing this concept for some time maybe you got one matured policy you got multiple policies Um, but today we're really going to dive into how I use my policies you know the intricates right how am I using my segregated checking account Hannah, are you putting more paid up additions into the policy? Are you paying back loans? When are you starting more policies? So this episode is going to be geared more towards those people that have their seasoned policies and they're using it. Um, But honestly, this can benefit anybody. If you're just starting the journey, if you're a seasoned person and you got 32 policies like the Kessler family does, this can always benefit you. Remember, never hit the arrival syndrome, you can always, always learn something, just like how Nelson Nash teaches us. So a few announcements before we get into it. Um, Coming up here shortly, so Tuesday, August 22nd, 6 o'clock Eastern Time, Pops and I are putting on a free virtual training. Um, We're going to go for three hours, and uh, you can register using the link down below, but I'm very excited. Come and join us. We're going to get into the details of the concept, go through some advanced material, and um, if you haven't heard as well, I started my vlog channel, so if you go to YouTube and you search up Hannah Kessler, you can find my vlog channel. Hannah spelled the same ways forwards and backwards, Kessler with one S. And um, it's kind of gotten a slow start to it. That's just how I personally feel. But as we all know, you're kind of your own worst critic. But um, I have some really fun and exciting uh, content coming out. You know, we just took the Bahamas trip. I was in Utah Um, coming up this weekend. I have a trip planned out in Orlando, going to do some water parks and some fun activities. And uh, a little personal update too. So talking about my freaking HOA drama that I got going on. God, hey, hey, actually, let me tell you all a joke, okay? You wanna hear a joke? This is such a dad joke, but let me tell you. What do you call an HOA? What do you call an HOA? The joke is, drum roll please, a group of Karens. (laughs) So anyways, I saw that joke on Facebook and I'm like, you're so right. I literally, my whole HOA is just a group of Karens. But um, anywho, I get kind of a little bit into my own personal life and I'm looking to move here soon. So I'll talk a little bit about that personal journey and I do so on the vlog channel. But as always, you can go to our uh, website, themoneymultiplier.com forward slash events, and you can see where we're speaking around the country or even the virtual events that we're hosting live. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. If I'm looking off screen here, it's just because I'm looking at my notes of the message that uh, were sent to me. Let's get into the first one, okay? So here's a text message that I received. 
I feel like I have IBC pretty nailed down. I'm using my policies for private lending. I'm a big investor and I profit about 10,000 a month just from my passive lending deals. How am I using my policy to pay my expenses? Do I take a loan from the policy each month to pay the expenses? So let's break down the question, right? So what they're doing is how they're producing their income is through their private lending deals that they're doing. And the question is, you know, hey, well, Hannah, how are you paying for your monthly expenses? I know you personally, you do private lending deals. And for the audience, you know, actually that, that is what I like to do in my investment world. I always say, you know, I'm never gonna tell you how to go make your money, how to go invest your money, but if you wanna have those buddy-buddy conversations, we absolutely can, and that's just one way of how I like to invest it, is I do a lot of private lending, and I lend on the collateral of the first position of the real estate, whatever that property, or maybe the land is, or sometimes there's actually a deal where uh, we took gold for collateral. So anyways, it's just whatever lending deal that I can do for the collateral, that's backed up that's equal to or greater than the investment that I'm making so anywho they're saying okay I have these this passive money that's coming in how am I incorporating the policy plus paying my monthly expenses I'll tell you what I do is step one the foundation is the policy the whole idea and the whole goal is I want to funnel the money through the policy first because as soon as I do so, the money inside the policy earns the uninterrupted compounding. And then I'll take out a loan. Let's just make believe it's 50000 And I go and I give my 50000 over to a borrower. And that borrower, they are promising me 15% on my money. And again, it's probably backed up. I'm the first position of the collateral there on the house. And so each month, they are sending me the monthly interest checks. So what I do with that monthly interest check is I take a portion of it and I'm paying for my monthly expenses. I'm using it for my grocery bill, my phone bill, the electricity, the water, the AC, whatever it is. I'm using that money and that is paying for my monthly expenses because you always got those ongoing monthly expenses. And then in a perfect world, your passive dollars that are coming in is paying for your entire expenses. I'll tell you, personally, that's just not happening for me right now. I'm getting about 50% of my income being covered by my passive investments that come in, but it's not my full 100% that is covering for my monthly bills because I am still actively working, right? I still do have active dollars that roll in plus my passive. So right now I've got it to the point where 50% of the passive that's coming in is paying for the monthly expenses. The rest of it is being paid through the active income that I have. Now what I do is because there is, there is still money left over at the end of the month, I'm taking the leftover money and I'm assessing it. I'm seeing kind of where I'm at. I talk about this all the time, so I'm not gonna de the beat the dead horse, so go back to my past episodes, 
but monthly I'm seeing how much I'm bringing in as my leftover take home money. So with the leftover take home money, what I do is I see if I'm on a trending incline. So for instance, if like each and every month I'm going up and up and I know that I can commit to more premium obligation, that's always my first step. I wanna always see how much policies and how much premium that I can keep funneling through these policies. Because like I said, isn't a policy just nothing more than starting a business from scratch? So I want a whole bunch of these businesses in my lifetime working for me. So step one is I always see if I have some more leftover and I'm trending an incline so that I can start more policies. If I'm not, if I'm not comfortable or not ready for more premium commitment or obligation, then what I'll do is I'll see, all right, well, hey, can I add extra paid up additions inside of my existing policies? And how you can do this, call up the customer service area at that insurance company. All right, so call up the insurance company. Or if you're a member of the Money Multiplier, call up your mapping implementation specialist and they'll ask that question for you and find out the information. So the question that we're, we're, we are really asking is, hey, how much extra PUA paid up additions can I add to my policy and avoid the MEC status, right? Avoid that taxation in the policy, that imaginary line. And uh, they'll come back, they'll give us a response. In a perfect world, we'll have some wiggle room. We can dump in those extra dollars. Um, but if not, I'll just go back and pay back some policy loans, right? Because the policy is nothing more than just my safe warehouse of my capital and my wealth. So if I go pay back some policy loans, well, now it's just showing up as cash available inside of that policy. So to go back and, and kind of look at the question here, you know, how am I using my policy to pay the expenses? Do I take a loan each month to pay the expenses? Personally, I'm not. I mean, you can, you could go in there each month and take out a loan, pay the credit card bill, pay the expenses, and then over the course of the month, just save back up inside the policy prepping for next year's, or sorry, I said next year's, I meant next month's uh, monthly expenses. Honestly, I just don't do that. I think there's a better way to push your money, push your capital to work. You see, my mom kind of calls them like the little green men, okay? So that's what your dollar is. Your dollar is your little green men, and what you're trying to do is you wanna go out there, put the green men to work, you're creating an army of green men that's out there working for you so that you no longer have to go out and work for it. So I would use the policy money, go buy myself cash flowing assets, passive investments, have that come over, pay the expenses, rinse and repeat. Whatever's left over, funnel back through the policy, store it in there, maybe I'm saving up for something so I save it inside of my policy. That's all we're doing. It's nothing more than just to safely warehouse the money in there. But no, I'm really not using it for monthly expenses. Um, now, 
there has been one month i remember last summer i was living on the road in the van and i did kind of rack up a higher than normal credit card bill yeah you know i took out a policy loan i helped pay for the credit card bill because i'd rather do that than pay the 22 percent interest the credit card people are going to charge me if i don't pay them that monthly payment right so okay let's move on let's go to number two how do i use my segregated account do I put money back into the policy or do I just stockpile it into the segregated account? I don't have any debts, but I want to use the policy for investing. Also, I want to know if I can make a request with the insurance company to pull out 100% of my available cash value or if I'm capped at a certain percentage of reserves that I need to keep in the policy for cash value. Let's touch on the last part of the question first. At any time, you have 100% of the cash available in your policy that you can use. So if your policy is telling you that you have $10,000 of available cash, well, hey, you can call up the insurance company and request a loan for $10,000. So uh, the cash that's available, on top of that, you know, how frequently can I take out the money? I mean, you can go in there and take out dollars, however much cash as you want, up to what's available to you inside of that policy. So just to touch on that last part of the question there, but you know, okay, so this person doesn't have any debts, they're investing and they're kind of asking about the segregated account. So let's recap on the segregated account. Dad kind of calls this a miscellaneous account in the presentation. Same thing, miscellaneous, segregated, same thing. All it is, it's a separate checking account that you opened up at your local bank. Doesn't matter who you bank with, I don't care. I bank with US Bank, that's just who I do business with. It's just since a little girl living in Kansas City, that's who I've done my business with. So I just know them, so I've been sticking with them. And what I did is I opened up this segregated checking account. Now kind of two purposes that this segregated checking account serves. The first one is, is that it keeps me disciplined. You know, I always coach y'all and tell you that you should be saving at least 10% of your income. So if we're saving 10%, what you should do is when your money comes in, before you pay anything else, take 10% of that and move it into that separate segregated checking account. That's you paying yourself first and that is you saving and paying yourself that 10%. I tell you 10 to 30%, but 10% being the minimum. So I use it to keep myself disciplined, but I'm also using it as a tool for when loan money comes out of my policy. So just real quick, let's go on a fork in, a, in the road real quick. Because when I request loan money from the policy and I call up the insurance company, I have them directly deposit it into that separate, that separate segregated checking account. Reason being is, is because when loan money comes out, that's tax-free to me. So I like to keep it, keep it separate because come the time of tax season, 
I don't have to go into my main checking account and detangle the mess of what's taxable income and what's not. So I really use it for the, for the accounting purposes as well. Now, when I'm using it for to stay disciplined, okay, because in this example, right, he doesn't have any debts. I'm right there with you. I don't have any debts besides my primary mortgage, which not all debts are bad debts. So what I would do is I'd go right back to how I was talking about earlier. Okay, well, no, don't just have it hang out there in that segregated checking account for the full year. No, no, no. If you have immediate use for the money, go out, go deploy the cash, go buy those investments, go pay off the debts, go buy those expenses. Now, remember, these are expenses that I'm saying like, hey, maybe it's a car, maybe it's a tax bill, maybe it's a refrigerator that you need. You do not need those new Gucci shoes or that new Prada bag right now, okay? So delay the gratifications, have your passive money fund for those things. Okay, anywho, so what, what you're gonna do is, you know, all right, I don't have any debts. All right, I can go deploy the capital, go have it out there working for me. If I have no use for the money, no active investments, well, hey, do I have extra paid up additions I can add to my policy? Go do that. No, I don't have any more paid up additions I can add to my existing contract. Well, okay, let's go pay back some policy loans. Let's go replenish all the cash in the policy just to go safely warehouse the money. Well, okay, I've done that, and Hannah, I still have leftover money now. Well, all right, well now starts the conversation of you are ready for policy number two. You get it now? You get how these policies build on top of each other? Don't put the cart in front of the horse. A lot of people ask me all, all day long, Hannah, how do I know I'm ready for policy number two? Should I start one policy or should I start multiple policies? No, start with one policy and you will know when you're ready to start the additional policies. When you get to a point right here, you max out the PUAs, you got no investments, you pay back all of your policy loans and you still got money left over in the bank congratulations to you you are now ready for policy number two go start the additional policy go open your branch office of your bank and just start by capitalizing more and more of that money with the uninterrupted compounding now hey just real quick I was going back through and we were reviewing and editing this last podcast episode and a question came to mind that somebody actually asked us and I thought it would fall really in line with this episode. Now, real quick, I'm a little uh, groggy here. I'm a little sick right now, so apologies. But here's the question that they asked us and I think it's important that we add this into this episode. They said, hey Hannah, well, what would happen if you had multiple policies and then something happens, like you lost your job or you had to take a lower paying job? Is there a way to fold one policy into another? I'm thinking not because of the MEC limits, but what would you do in that case? So let's talk about the downfalls real quick because we were kind of touching on how to keep building upon our banking system, 
But I totally agree. Our financial life is never stagnant. There's windfalls, downfalls. We're going to have raises and demotions. So I heard something. I'm not for sure if I said it on this episode. So I apologize if I'm repeating myself because it is a few days later as I'm adding this uh, review in. But Somebody said at a Nelson Nash think tank, your base premium should be comfortable and your paid up edition riders should be uncomfortable. So that always gives me the leniency that, hey, if I do have to pull back on my uh, premiums, I can do so because I always have that flexibility to decrease it if need be. So another thing too, all right, so so you can always lower the premiums. Yes, you can always do something by reduce paying up the policy, you know, totally stopping the the premiums and then kind of just having that policy run on an autopilot. You can even use the cash values in those policies to help pay for premium. But in my opinion, if you really follow us and you follow our teachings, you always hear us say, cash flow is king. Cash flow, not just cash. Cash is trash, in my opinion. You know, all cash does is just sit there. How money is made is in the movement of it. So keep that money moving. So you won't have to worry about that if you do follow the principles of pay yourself first, pay yourself back, pay yourself back with interest, and just be that honest banker with yourself. Because if you truthfully are truthful and are honest with yourself in your financial life, I don't think you're going to have any issues. But I get it. There could come a day that shit just totally hits the fan and everything goes belly up and, and you just don't know what to do. So there are opportunities and, and available things inside of these policies that you can do to help manage premiums if maybe one year, hey, my premiums come in due, I can't make it right now, but I'll lower it for the time being. And then when cash flow allows, I'll just start paying back in up to that full premium amount again. Now we'll get back into the regular schedule programming. Okay, last one I want to cover on today's episode. What to do with the extra cash from a real estate deal I just did. So this gentleman wrote in to me, He um, actually spoke with my father on the forefront, so him and dad kind of have that relationship there. Dad's actually on the road right now, so just FYI, if you ever um, reach out to him, he's taking a little bit. It's because he's traveling. He's actually headed out to Idaho. He likes to spend the summer months out there. So um, this individual wrote into Pops, and dad just forwarded the message on to me to help help him with it. And um, he's active in real estate. He's got some policies. Well, he reached out, I guess he sold the property, he closed out on investment that he was doing. So he's saying, okay, well, what do I do with these proceeds from this real estate deal? Now, it kind of depends on what he's gonna do. You know, I mean, if he is an active investor, he's always buying properties. My first thing to tell him is, hey, you know, what I would do first is 1031 that money into a new uh, property, right? Save on the tax gains and go out there 1035 the money and then whatever's left over, back to it again. What do we do, everybody? Step number one, 
do I have any more paid up additions? Step number two, go pay back the policy loans. Or if I have some active investments, go put the money out there towards the active investments. That's all we're doing. So let's make believe that, no, I don't have any more properties. I'm just going to take the tax hits on this and I want to do something with this lump sum of windfall. Well, back to it again. Paid up additions first. Hey, do we have any extra um, investments or things that you want to make? Go put the little green men to work. If not, pay back the policy loans. If you maxed out the policy loans, now time to open up another policy. You are ready for another branch office. So you see, okay, now I, <laughs> I'm kind of going to say something and hopefully I don't piss some people off by saying this, but some of y'all come to me and you say, Hannah, all right, I'm not like your average people, all right? My situation is totally different from everybody else's. You know, maybe I'm gonna use my policy for donations. Or Hannah, I don't have a steady income. I'm just all commission-based and that's what I do. I get it, but y'all, you really gotta break it down to that fifth grade level mentality because it is literally all in the same. I think one big thing of what sets people back from wanting to do better or start researching financial concepts or literally just anything is, is these big fancy terminologies that everybody uses. I mean, this stuff is so simple if you just break it down to the fifth grade level terminology and then just build on top of those building uh, blocks. So, um, I mean, y'all always come to me and you say, Hannah, I'm the special snowflake. I got something uh, that nobody else is doing. Trust me, you don't. And I'm sorry to say that. I think it's a great thing because I know how to help you, but you don't. Everybody's different. I get that. But if you really break it down, okay, you make commissions, but you instead of a W-2, but you still got active income that's coming in. I get it. It's not a steady, hey, bi-week. I get paid this set amount of month or set amount of money each and every bi week. I get it. Maybe one month you do 10,000 a month, the next month it's three, the next month it's 50,000. I get it. But you got to track and you got to know your averages and kind of what you're doing, what's working for you, what's not. I mean, it's literally all one and the same. So I hope you kind of grasp that from today's podcast and in helping you evolve more with the policies, but y'all are doing all of the exact same thing, no matter what investment you're making, the debts that you're paying off. So you got your segregated checking account and let's recap. All that is, it keeps you disciplined. Pay yourself first, 10% at least. Number two, loan money. When, loan, when you request the money out, put it into that segregated checking account. Then paid up additions, always max out the existing contracts. Put more paid up additions into that policy if you can. Here's a little tidbit too, paid up additions. They increase year after year. So each year we can call them up and see how much extra we can keep putting in. Do not be afraid to pay back your policy loans. The policy operates no different than just say regular checking or savings account. If you put the money back in, now it's just showing up inside the policy as cash available again. And don't be afraid to start more locations. Keep opening up more and more policies. 
Don't keep the money sitting down at the local bank where they're making the profits on you. Keep funneling that cash flow through policies. Start more policies, start more premiums. I mentioned before, I'm starting my sixth policy right now. The whole reason is because these are the philosophies and rules that I'm following in my lifetime. The best thing about what I do and what I love I just tell y'all every single day what I'm personally doing over here in my own lifestyle. That's all I'm doing. So I hope this episode helped. Reach out to me if you have these specific questions. We can talk about them. I can create more episodes. We can talk one-on-one together. Um, my my uh, information is down below, my email, the website, and reach out to me too. I'll even give you my direct cell phone number. But, um, but as always, I just want to keep helping you understand and you keep freeing yourself from the financial strains and, and slavery of what's going out there. So I'm very proud of you. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Rate the podcast, follow us on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, The Funny Multiplier, or you can even check out my personal pages. Hannah Kessler. Hannah spelled the same ways forwards and backwards. Kessler with one S. And until next time, we'll catch you then. Bye now.